0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: It's the Blood Red podcast courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. We'll Villa visit on Grand National weekend following a mayor in Madrid. as the Reds still of hurdles to jump in both the Premier League and Champions League. Coming up we'll be looking back briefly on defeat in Madrid. Preview Aston Villa's trip to Anfield. Yes, the seven two will get a mention. And before we go, we'll bring you our team selections and match predictions also. Alongside me, two esteemed pod people. That's what we're calling them now, isn't it, Doyley? We are, yeah. Pop pod
2: pod, pe- pod persons, pod pickers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna have Sean Bradbury with us, but we've we've got a three ball to uh, to go with. Today here on the Blood Red Podcast, and Doyle, I'll, I'll come to you first. We started the week on Monday, full of optimism and the uh, the joys of spring after seeing off Arsenal. What's happened since? I
2: think everyone's realised that Roma did are better than Arsenal, and Arsenal aren't very good. I think is basically with the main take from this week. Um, I would oh, I would like to point out that I remember on the podcast on Monday when we were talking about yeah whenever we recorded Sunday, wasn't it? We recorded it on Easter Sunday yeah. that <clears throat> some people were very um upbeat on what to expect and we're back in Liverpool to beat Real Madrid, but I was slightly more circumspect as you were, uh, as is my want. But yeah, they just they don't lose many games to the Real Madrid. So I wasn't massively surprised that Liverpool lost, but what I was surprised was how bad Liverpool played in the first half. They were absolutely appalling. In fact, if you take the Aston Villa game away, which as far as I'm concerned is just a freak. And I've maintained that ever since, you know, that game, that 7-2 game, which I'm sure we'll mention in a bit. But if you take that away, that first half was the worst Liverpool have played all season. The worst 45 minutes at the worst possible time against a team who quite clearly had set out to do a job on Liverpool, did it very well. But it wasn't any different to the job that Brighton did on Liverpool, to what all the teams did on Liverpool, to what Burnley did on Liverpool. The difference is, of course, is that Real Madrid have got slightly better players than Burnley and Brighton. So they were able to do it. Just
1: yeah,
2: they, yeah, they were uh, they were able to, you know, do the whatever Zinedine Zidane wanted to to the letter. In fact, he, he mentioned after the game, didn't he? said, "Look, hit the ball over the back of the uh, the fullbacks when they push forward," which is how they got the second goal, and uh, and look to play play on the back uh, the centre back pairing of Nat Phillips and Ozan Kabak because they badly played together, and, so, and that's how the first goal came about. And you could argue the, the third goal as well. So overall. You know, Real Madrid may not be the Real Madrid of old, but they're still good enough to win that game. in Terms of what Liverpool do, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure we'll get onto Naby Keita in a bit, and that substitution doesn't. It wasn't just on him, but it was a night where Jurgen Klopp, certainly with his team selection, started the game, got it wrong, and whatever the tactics were at the start, whether or not the team were actually able to do them or or did what he wanted them to do, well, it just didn't work. So either way, it's either down to the tactics that he employed or the players that he asked to employ them so it wasn't a great night for Liverpool I think Klopp realises that the, the only good thing is that you know the tie's not over although I'm pretty right in saying Liverpool's history they've only twice come back from at least two goals down one of them was Barcelona which again that was a you know what was at Barcelona what was at the Barcelona game that isn't going to be there on Wednesday that's, that's going to be support so it's a tough ask for Liverpool but overall after the the highs of beaten uh, Arsenal um bit
1: of a low, probably the biggest low of the season. Yeah, is it not sort of a bit of a screenshot, these last two results as well, David, just for Liverpool's season, really? After the Arsenal game, plenty of national press lavaging praise on Liverpool and saying how well they played. It was the best performance of the season. And then as Doily says, bar the Aston Villa game in the league, Real Madrid, certainly that first half, was probably the worst performance. There doesn't seem to be that level... Of consistency with Liverpool I think sort of two <laughs> pairs of results last season Leicester City at home in the Premier League and away one was probably a poor result yet Liverpool still won when they were playing badly the other they were absolutely brilliant and put Leicester City away this season if they play badly they're very much there to be taken whereas when they play well they need to be playing their, their best to to get the, uh, the good results this season
0: yeah, it, I think it it feels doesn't it like every time you get a good result and a good performance like they did at Arsenal, is you start thinking about well, okay, maybe they've turned a corner. But I think every time we do that, and we convince ourselves that you know this is this is what it's going to be like going forward. Is you've got to think that all of the weaknesses that you've pointed out in past weeks are still there. That that centre half partnership, for example, just it, it is not it's not Champions League quality, is it? And that's not to do down both players, both elite level footballers, and but you know. Nat Phillips and Ozan Kabak starting at centre half in a, in a Champions League quarter final against Real Madrid. It's no surprise that Real Madrid found some of the spaces they did in the box, and that 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 line just got absolutely torn to shreds once a midfielder dropped a little bit deeper. So, um, I think you know you you've just got to think every time there's a there's a positive result this season, you've got to think that those weaknesses are still there. Virgil Van Dijk's not coming back. Joe Gomez, you still know Jordan Henderson in midfield. You know he's still. Klopp felt like he had to go and put Naby Keita in his midfield because he didn't want to just play that, you know, what's on paper his best to for the remainder of the season. So, you know, all those weaknesses are there. And I think managers always say this, don't they, And players, is that you can't get too high after the highs. You can't get too low after the lows. And I think that, that sort of, I don't know, that way of looking at things maybe should work for fans this season because I just think we've got to rem- remember and remind ourselves constantly that you're never going to see Liverpool probably pulling off a a series of five straight wins on the bounce this season because the 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 options and the quality to do that the squad options in terms of rotation as well they're just not there to do that so i i just think yeah it wasn't i I was surprised by the the manner of the performance but possibly not that hugely shocked that liverpool didn't you know that liverpool got beat at real madrid this season because you look what's on the pitch and that they're missing some big players aren't they and they have been all season And then alongside that, some of the big stars are are out of form because of what's gone before. So, yeah, not not a huge surprise, but it's still still quite disappointing to go from that level of performance against Arsenal to what they did against Real Madrid.
1: Before we talk about and we'll touch on Sadio Mane as well, because he's not having a a great time at the moment for Liverpool. But, Doyley, were you a bit surprised in that second half after getting the first goal back quite quickly into the second half that Liverpool then seemed to sort of go so dung-ho and almost look for the leveller on the night, as I would have thought after that first-half performance, if they'd sort of been able to escape with a 2-1 defeat, you'd probably have thought Liverpool might be favourites for this tie, whereas conceding that third goal, certainly in the manner they did, um, really sort of leaves it in Madrid's hands now. And You've got to bear in
2: mind when Liverpool were trying to be a little bit more, well, I wouldn't say defensive in the first half, but be a little bit <clears throat> more steady. That didn't work either. So, you know, what was the what was the difference going to be? It was a little bit like when they played Barcelona in the 3-0 game at the new camp, sorry, the camp name, where, uh, where Liverpool at the end, I mean, when Barcelona nearly made it 4-0, it's because Alisson was about to go up for a corner. It's like, hang on, it's not even half time in this game. What are you doing? So he got back and made the save. And as we know, that he was there to make that save, ended up making a massive difference with the tie. But that, that overall was an example of Liverpool. I think if you look at it, there's been a few games in Europe. I'm looking at the Villarreal, it was a long time ago now, but Villarreal Europa League, Europa League game, the first leg where they lost 1-0, that was a game where the clock went, right, we're going to keep this tight and, oh, look, we got beat 1-0. I mean, I know they won the second, the second leg and turned it around, but I don't really think it's in their makeup to be defensive. I don't know what you're trying to say, Guy, but I think they thought that because they have got one goal, and they, don't forget they were up against a Real Madrid centre-back per and that while individually their experience was, I think Nacho's been there for about, well, at least we've played about 200 games for Real Madrid, and Militao was what was he 50 million euros from Porto, but they'd only played two one games together as a, as a centre back pair. so in that sense, they were inexperienced. I think Liverpool thought they could get some joy, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work. And as I, as you know, we mentioned about Kater, but I'd like to point out Fabinho, and I think Fabinho was given how well he played against Arsenal. I'm pretty sure I gave him man of the match for that game against against Real Madrid on Tuesday night, it seems like though he was trying too hard. Mm. Trying too hard against his former team. He wanted to like prove a point. And you compare that to the way Casemiro, I don't think, is as good a footballer as him. He was just able to sit where he wanted and just play the ball to it you know, was it Cruz and Modric and then they you know, we saw what, what happened when they got the ball? And I think that's what Liverpool would have wanted Fabinho to do with uh with Cater and with uh and with I forgot who played. One Aldham. Yeah. And one Alder, yeah. That, that, actually, that's how good they played in the first half. I couldn't remember who played. Um, I don't
1: think anyone played in the first half did they?
2: Well, <laughs> just the thing is that you can't just put it on cater. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it now then, shall we? I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a massive statement to sub him with three minutes to go before half time. But what I would point out is that I wasn't surprised because I think Klopp thought we cannot concede a third goal before half time. We need to do something right now. And I think he'd given him enough of an opportunity to, to to make a mark in the game. I mean, while he wasn't the only person to be below par, because, you know, you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold again, he was another one who was very good against Arsenal in the first half. He was terrible against Real Madrid. He was better second half, but then it, that wouldn't have been too difficult. But Cater was the one that, that probably was worse than all of them. And unfortunately for him, I think he was introduced into the team to provide, I think the idea behind Jurgen Klopp's team selection was to run around a lot in midfield and put Real Madrid under pressure. Not well, Real Madrid; it was just as we saw, play the ball long. And with Fabinho not helping out the back four as much as he would normally have done, they were exposed, and you know, Vin- Vinicius was able to to make the most of it. And I thought Kabak did good up, up against Benzema. I thought he did well against him, but you know, he still gets an assist for one of the goals. So. Overall, you know, the Probably case. Probably lucky as
1: well, Cabac, not to give away a penalty now.
2: Um, I'm not sure on that one. Mm. I'm not sure. Not sure.
1: If it'd be Manchester
2: United, it would have been a penalty. So, it's yeah, one of those. <laughs> I didn't even realize they'd got a penalty until this morning when I saw that. Anyway, by the bye. Um, yeah, Kate, I, I wouldn't. I felt a bit sorry for him because you've got to bear in mind, he's, he's, was he started one game this year? Yeah, expected to come, yeah. Expected to to come. It wasn't expected to come in and make a difference. It was just expected to come in and play like he has presumably been doing during training and with his little cameos that he came on against Wolves and looked quite good for the last 10 minutes when he played there. So I think they were expecting that kind of energy. But with some of the other players not quite up to le- the level, as I say, like Fabinho, like when Aldermy only started playing in the second half, that made it difficult for him. And with him being the one that came in, he was always going to be the one that, that made way first and... As I say, I, I presume club just thought we can't con- we can't concede the third one before half time. I need to make this change now, which in some ways was brave, but in the sense that it's put or a lot of focus on Cater even after the game. Club said I kind of wish I hadn't done it now if I'd have known that this was what people were going to be saying after
0: the game.
1: What was your reading of it, Dave? Was it a case of singling out the individual in Naby Cater and him not playing well enough and needed to come off the pitch, or it was sort of all he was referring to more of a system? Issue of Naby Keita and Tiago are very different midfield players, aren't they? Liverpool are getting passed to death, and you get a passer on yourself. It can kind of maybe solidify that midfield battle somewhat, as opposed to Cater who's going to try and run around a lot more.
0: Well, that's it. I could, I could see the sense in the selection, that in, in you know, as you say there, Tiago a bit more of a passer, and in, in, in Real Madrid, were passing them to death. So I think Klopp's thinking was to okay, well, we're not going to beat them at that. So don't go with Thiago. Go with someone who can put them under pressure while they're doing that passing, while they're circulating the ball. Obviously, it just didn't it just didn't work out like that at all. Um, you know, I, I thought I, with Keita, I think I don't think Klopp can throw his hands up now and say, "Oh, I'm not sure why there's such a big fuss about me doing this." Well, you know exactly why you're doing it in that moment. You didn't play well. I thought he was. I thought he was the poorest of the three. I think I don't think any of them played well, but I think he was the poor, the clear poorest of the three and the less able to adapt to the game situation and therefore that's why he got brought off i think his i think his liverpool career is in is in a bit of trouble now to be honest and um, you know considering his long term impact it's just not been good enough and to be drawn you know to be withdrawn that early in a game of that magnitude i think that's you know the the beginning of the end considering he's 2 years out from the end of his contract i think you know one of the things about the composition in the midfield and, and one of the decisions Klopp got wrong in that and, and something that Cater shouldn't sort of maybe shoulder the blame for is that you know, Kroos did so much of his good work, didn't he? Dropping in almost to the centre-half position um, and exposing that high line from a really like, quarterback position. Um, and I think what Liverpool really missed there was Roberto Firmino. Um, his intelligence in defensive phase of the game in terms of he would have just pushed... Cause, because usually he'd be used to sitting on the number six, dropping deep for a centre-forward and sitting on the six and making it difficult. If if Kroos had dropped deep in the way that he had, Firmino's got the intelligence to push deeper onto him push into that centre-half position and tell the midfielders behind him to, that they need to step up again. And then that puts Liverpool in a better defensive position to put pressure on the ball. That didn't happen. And I thought Liverpool have got serious issues when they've named that front three that doesn't have Firmino in it in terms of retaining the ball in the final third and the defensive setup for the press. And I think that, that as much as the midfield, is what Jurgen Klopp got wrong. And I think that made the midfield look even worse, made Kater look even worse than he was, even though he didn't play well. And, and and just the whole setup of the team was was wrong, really. And the idea that, you know, coming into this, you thought, OK, the, the, the way Liverpool played in 17-18 when they come up against Real Madrid, they got schooled a little bit. Liverpool have learnt so much in that time. Real Madrid are that little bit older. Surely this will make the difference. And they just showed, yet again, just more intelligence in situations, just a better ability to read the game. And that just killed Liverpool's tactical setup from the off. And I think... I think the manager's probably got to take a fair share of the blame for that because it was just so obvious from the first minute that Real Madrid were dominant and they worked out immediately what was going to happen and they counteracted it. So I think you know as much as Caterwood deserves criticism, all the midfield deserve criticism, some of the forward line does as well. I think the manager's got to got to shoulder quite a bit of the blame for the for the way that played out.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm just going to go down a. A rabbit hole slightly here in terms of the substitution thing and Jürgen Klopp immediately alluded to it in his post-match press conference sort of saying because I brought a player off before half-time everyone's going to talk about it and I again it must be a bit of an embarrassing situation for Naby Keita himself but certainly in the Champions League doily where you've got five substitutions. I watched the, the game the following night between Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain and Hansi Flick made two substitutions in the first half of the game for seemingly tactical reasons as opposed to Injury, And I'm just thinking with the five substitutes, actually, surely if a game isn't going your way, why waste half of the match before rectifying it? Why Why should there be sort of this um, snobbery, I suppose, around actually using a first half substitute when you can replace half of the, the outfield players? I think it's because it's up late in the 42nd minute rather than the 34th yeah. or the 23rd.
2: I think that's the thing. Is I think he's just a Klopp saw it and just said, seen enough, as I said before, just thought we can't concede the third one. We just need to get him off and do something different now. And I suppose they didn't concede the third one, did they, in the first half? No. So you could say, well, that worked, uh, if that's what his aim was. But yeah, I, yeah with Cater, it, it is interesting because he has been there for nearly three years now and he's had some good moments and he's quite clearly a good player. And we've, we've spoken about him for three years I know if Joe Joe Rimmer was on, if he would have been on this podcast, he would have said he was worried about him. He's been saying that for two and a half years now, hasn't he? So he's, well, he's so, on poetry
1: in motion earlier in the week with Neil Fitzmorris and uh, Gorsty as well, and they 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 said plenty. there has been a lot said across obviously the, the the channel about it all, but I suppose on that Doyle, you've kind of got the separating the issue, haven't you, of him being dragged off in this game, but also we're now three years into Naby Kate's Liverpool career, and. He's still, you think of all the other big signings Liverpool have made and when fit their first names on the team sheet. Navigators, not really anywhere near that position, is he?
2: No, it's probably not his fault. He got injured, didn't he, quite early on. And then Liverpool obviously went on a good run. And, you know, that's what happens. That's what happens at big teams when there's competition for places and players play well and you lose your place whether you're injured or you've not had a good game. It's just what happens. It's interesting the amount of that, because don't forget that Jurgen Klopp started Cater uh, at Barcelona, in the semi-final two years ago, so he obviously has a lot of trust in him, and he started him in the. I can't remember. Did he start him in the in the club World Cup final? He certainly played in the semi-final. I Can't remember whether he played in the final. He I presumably oh, must I feel have. like he, he did play a must.
1: decent
0: part in that tournament. Yeah he, he? Presume,
2: yeah, he presume. he must have played in the final. Uh, yeah, I, I know one he of set us set a
0: couple of goals up in He was on a run of three assists on the
2: bounce. Actually, yeah, he set up. set a goal in the first game, or he maybe him scored in the first game. I can't remember. It was that long ago. There's been quite a few games since then. But yeah, but yeah. But point being that Kater obviously, Klopp wouldn't have signed him if he didn't think he was any good. Spent an awful lot of money. I think he's he's still the third most expensive player in Liverpool's history, isn't he? So yeah, you know, I don't think he's got. I don't think he's been harshly treated by the outside, and I said it's certainly not been harshly treated by those inside the club either, because they keep giving him the opportunities. But I think Lynch is probably right. It may be coming towards the end. The only thing on that is that if Wan Allden's going. And James Milner's now about 78, then you and you've already lost Lalana last season. Suddenly to lose four from the the team that or the squad that won the league in midfield, and for them to be experienced players as well, that might be a bit too much. So I would imagine unless somebody comes in with a really good offer for Cater, he won't be going anywhere because yeah. he's still probably better at Liverpool than than he is than he is not at Liverpool in terms of you know the money that Liverpool could get for him, it would cost them more than that to, to get in a, a, a light for like replacement. So I also don't think that Liverpool, I would imagine Klopp's not even thinking about this at the moment. He's just thinking about, all right, who can play against Aston Villa, who can play against Real Madrid, who can play against Leeds. And he'll still think that there's opportunities because there's not just Caton, there's other players who've not played. We haven't seen curtis Jung much, have we, recently. Uh, I'd say Chamberlain did well against Wolves when he came on when he hasn't, I uh, don't think he's played since then, has he? And, um and as I say, Milner, Milner did well against Arsenal. Didn't get a kick. Against, it's interesting actually about Milner's. I actually thought if he had played against Real Madrid, that would have been a slightly different game. Again, I mean, there has been some debate over whether Wijnaldum as a captain is the right choice. It's how much stock you put into somebody being the skipper. But we've seen the difference that Jordan Henderson that they can make when he's out there, and Milner certainly of the same kind of ilk. So. I do wonder whether at Liverpool, when things weren't going particularly well, they had enough, not so much experience, but it, you know, enough focal backing out there on the pitch to, to sort things out because they've got sufficient leaders. But when people aren't playing well, you need somebody who's going to rouse the troops. And I, I do wonder that if you've not got Van Dijk, you've not got Milner, you've not got Henderson, that those are the kind of nights where you miss those kind of players.
1: Yeah, definitely. Right, let's move on to... Sadio Mane then, Lynch, and doily said before about the, the inexperience that Real Madrid had, certainly the cohesion in terms of a back four that Zinedine Zidane was able to name. Liverpool never really got at them and I know there were three attackers on the pitch, but Jota and Salah did combine for the goal that Liverpool did get. What about Sadio Mane though? Because he's looking energetic, he's looking lively up until the edge of the box, but I, for one, I think every time he's now within striking distance, you just don't have that confidence he's going to score.
0: Yeah, and I think that goes to the player himself as well because it, you know, it, it, it's true. I, I think he's he's getting in positions, isn't he? He's getting in the box, but he's just just nowhere near as, as deadly as he was, and it's it's quite worrying, really, because this is stretched over quite a long period of time. I think Firmino's form has taken a little bit of the heat off him, but Mane has been through a lot of, you know, lengthy goalless stretches through, throughout this season. He really seems to be struggling with his form. You know, you. You know, you you worry about that. Is that burnout from the amount of football he's played over the years? You know, a lot of people that's been said about a lot of players in this squad, and and you know, I, I like to reserve judgment until you know the start of next season after the players have had a full preseason, a rest. The fans are back in, and it's a bit more like normal football, but yeah, it doesn't stop it being a a bit of a worry, and I think. I think going into the second leg, you've, I think there's a, a difficult choice for, for Jurgen Klopp to make off the back of that performance from Sadio Mane. Because I think when Jota is flying in the way he is, he clearly missed Firmino on both sides of the ball. Can't drop Salah because he has just kept scoring. I, I think that that Mane's position on that left hand side might be under threat in the coming weeks because Jota, Jota has to start. And I think you, you lose too much when you drop Firmino out of there. So it's. Um, yeah, it's a diff- difficult one for the manager but I think a decision that has to be made because Mane's form at the moment just isn't isn't good enough to be getting game after game
1: yeah definitely by the way anyone scratching their head wondering about Naby Keita if he did play in the the Club World Cup I, I did look it up forgot to say he did start by the semi-final he scored against Monterey and he, he started in in the final but on, on Mane Doyle in terms of stats fame he's only scored twice at Anfield all season one of those in Never the have only <laughs>
2: scored twice at Anfield
1: all season <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so in that sense he's been pulling he's scored 100% of the goals yeah <laughs> but, um, but one of those was all the way back in September I think second home game of the season wasn't it against Arsenal um, he mm. scored against West Brom since then, but that is one of the, the things with this Liverpool. Certainly, those two wide forwards that you just expect week after week for them to score, and then when they stop, all of a sudden it very quickly becomes apparent and becomes an issue. Isn't, isn't that the last Liverpool home goal from open play? That is right, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 just, yeah, it's yeah it work. is. Yeah, that's incredible. They've, they've gone four yeah. months without winning a game at home. It's almost, it's are <laughs> gonna ridiculous. get on to that. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, just because the Leipzig, I mean, at home, I mean, at Anfield, because obviously they beat Leipzig at, was it, the Puska Stadium in Budapest. I'm pretty yeah. sure they'd be quite happy playing the, the Aston Villa game there on that Saturday if they, if they could. Um, but, yeah, with Mane, it just seems as though he he's just taking too many touches, isn't he? He's just taking too many touches. And you, you, you always get the impression at the start of every game, he's up for it. It's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. Not a problem. And he's... he's I asked sorry at Arsenal last week for the first twenty minutes he was the one that was running it, you know, running at the Arsenal backline. He was getting a bit of joy, but the longer the game went on, the more he kind of just faded slightly out of it. And he, I wonder um, whether or not he's getting a little bit affected, a little bit affected by what's happening overall to him. Because in terms of the officiating and not getting the penalties, now what I mean by that is I remember. They played Watford last season before they went to the Club World Cup and he scored ahead and it was just loud for VAR. And it would have made it 2-0. Liverpool won 2-0 in the end. But I remember Mane then for about 15 minutes after that was absolutely not so much fuming, but he was just all over the place. He just like he just couldn't he thought he'd scored, so he's like, he was just he wasn't there, basically.
1: Well he had that in Madrid, didn't he? After that push ahead of the second goal, he then sort of the rest of the first half and in the second well, half. He- that's that's what I'm about to say is that. Obviously, after
2: the game, we heard what that Jürgen Klopp said to the referee and said he'd been unfair because whether or not you think that's a foul or not, there were certainly other incidents where you most certainly should have had a foul. I mean, and even if some of the time he was falling over a bit easily, you know, the, the, the law of averages suggests that you're going to get some of them, but he wasn't really getting any of them. So he... There's been other instances, I mean, the Southampton penalty earlier this season, but he could have had a penalty. I think there was the Newcastle one as well, although that only kind of became apparent after the game when you saw the pictures. So whether or not he thinks that that's kind of going against him. And when you have that and then you don't score for a few games and the team's losing and not he takes it personally, but he's quite an emotive person and he probably thinks he can be doing more and he's getting more and more frustrated with the fact that he isn't, especially when you consider that since Coutinho left, what was it, January 2018, up until, you could argue, October this season, that Mane was just absolutely brilliant all the way through. it. Like he was scoring the goals, he was making the difference, he'd found his position because obviously he'd been shifted over to the, to the left and he'd done so well in his first season on the right. And since then, though, I mean... Does it, i know it's i know he's only missed what was it one game due to contracting coronavirus and we've we've, we've spoken about this in the past you look at Trent you know players like that who who, who contracted it and then they haven't quite been the same certainly worked for a while afterwards I mean, we will only know that in years to come as to what the effects of that was but he's still out there he's still playing he's still getting the chances he's still he's still doing his runs he's still he just doesn't seem to have that kind of instinctive quality that he gained over that period that I just said between 2018 and, and around about October. So it is a worry, but it would be more of a worry if Salah wasn't scoring because that's the, the beauty of having three players up. Well, four now if you count Jota because, you know, they've still scored. 24, was it? 51, something like 57 goals between them or something like that. Quite a lot. So um, is it that many? I don't know. How many Salah got? 27? I, I just
0: nodded my head there. Yeah, I was just it's nodding you, as well. Yeah. It's
2: 20, Salah's got 27. Mane's got 12. Jota's got 12, hasn't he? Jota's got 12, uh, yeah. 12, so that's 51. And I think Firmino's got 6. That would be, that sounds about be 57. Right, yeah. It sounds about right, yeah. Let's get that. I've got an oh, a, yes. a level maths, would you believe? There you go. Um, <laughs> no,
1: so, yeah. Firmino's, Firmino's got... Oh, wait, no. I, I was looking at the wrong season there. Yeah. No, oh, I'm no.
2: Right. Yeah, oh. So, anyway, the point <laughs> being there, there's still an awful lot of goals besides Mane's. But you want a Mane to be playing at his best. And... When, like, say you've got that game like Aston Villa away last season where Mane scores in the last minute and they were losing 1-0 and suddenly it's it's 2-1, they need that kind of Mane back because when the big games come around, he tends to you know, score in the Champions League final, didn't he, against, uh, against Real Madrid and won the penalty against Tottenham. So they need that kind of player back and how they do it, I'm not sure. I think it's just, I think it's kind of in, in his mind. I think it's the old story, isn't it? It's if he gets one, he'll get five. So, I just think he needs one to go in somewhere. And but what he needs if, one to go in
1: off his backside. Should we throw yeah. in another? Another? But he, there, yeah.
2: But what he needs more than anything, though, is if he misses the next one, just to not let it affect him. And I know that's easier said than done. But that's it's it's you know, Klopp said that Liverpool are the mentality monsters. Well, now they're ha- going to have to start showing it individually in
1: different ways. He was asked Jurgen Klopp in the press conference today, David, ahead of the Aston Villa game, on what's to come, obviously next week with Real Madrid, whether it's sort of the. Uh, about the pressure and the opportunity that lay ahead for Liverpool, both in the Premier League and the Champions League, about the pressure that they're under. So if Sadio Mane is in this, this poor form, does Jurgen Klopp then, for what could be a season-defining week, consider dropping one of his big players? And as you say, reinstating Roberto Firmino, going with Diogo Jota and just telling Mane, it doesn't matter what stage of the season it is, you look like you need a rest, so you're going to be pulled out the firing line. I think it's
0: slightly easier to make those decisions that, with the season being the way it is, and we're getting into the business end now, it's been so chockered all the way through, hasn't it? And the fact that we're getting towards a, an even busier part where you're playing European games in midweek, I think that that helps the manager in terms of he can sell it as okay if he wants to leave him out against Real Madrid, if that's the decision he makes, then he'll probably he'll probably play Marnie against Aston Villa won't he? Give him 90 minutes and then say at the end of that, you know, as we're getting towards a Real Madrid rematch. Okay, listen. He played a lot of football. I I just need freshness. I need I need those you know those legs coming in. So you know I think that makes it slightly easy to sell. Not that the player will be absolutely over the moon to be missing a game against Real Madrid, but I do think it it makes it easy for the manager in that conversation. But it's it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I think when you pull in any of those out, and I think this is something he's found with Firmino, is that he's become so reliant on on the way they play that that you know trusted them for so long in winning the biggest trophies that you sort of almost forget some of the qualities that they bring to the table that you'll miss without them and, and you only find that out as you start to sort of go down the road of replacing them. So, you know, if we do put Jota in on the left-hand side and, and and Mane comes out for a bit, is there something that Mane does that Liverpool will miss specifically? I suppose we'll have to see and we'll have to find out. But these, you know, these are sorts of conversations and, and difficult decisions the manager's going to have to make in the years ahead because, you know, specifically these next couple of years, really, because this front three isn't going to last forever and and I think, you know, Josh has been signed with the idea that he will still be there in four or five years. So, you know, and Liverpool want another forward, don't they, in the summer if they can move on Rigi and Shaqiri. So that evolution is 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 a constantly happening thing. And so you are going to have moments like this where you have to make difficult decisions. You know, whether Jurgen Klopp puts it off for another week or another month, we'll have to see, won't we? But it's uh, that's the sort of stuff that lies ahead for
1: him. There was a forward who looked pretty handy in that Bayern PSG game in the, the Champions League this week, and I'm not on about Eric Chopper-Moting either. But, uh...
0: <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Anyway, let's move on to Aston Villa who come to Anfield on Saturday for the return of Premier League action. Doyley, we're going to have to address it now. The, the elephant in the room, the 7-2 against Aston Villa. You've been quite clear all season it was a one-off for Liverpool, but were they maybe the side who cracked the steely resolve that Liverpool have had and showed sides in a way of exploiting that high line? I think some things that
2: people forget about that Villa game is one, Adrian was in goal because Alisson had called off and I'm pretty sure Mane didn't play either, did he? Because that's when he did have coronavirus, bit, yeah. right. But yeah, Jota started. Van Dijk and Gomez started. Gomez was absolutely awful in that game. Probably the worst he's ever played. I just think that... That was a game where so many things came together. Even Dean Smith, the Villa manager, said today, look, it was a good result for us, but it was a bit strange because we scored three deflected goals. I mean, they had three yeah. shots from outside the area that hit somebody and went in. So, OK, it, even if they don't go in, it's 4-2 and Liverpool deserve to get beat 4-2. And you go, well, that's not a very good result. But 7-2, I've said this so many times. You look at, you know, Liverpool played Arsenal last week and they got the biggest ever league, top-flight league winner Arsenal. There's so many of that this season. So many, like, strange circumstances. I wonder why, you know, it's because it's a strange season. What a surprise that these things are happening. But going back to your initial point, it perhaps kind of brought to a head a lot of things that perhaps Liverpool, I'm not saying they would be complacent after they've won the league, but I think some of the players thought, yay, we've won the league, and now let's we can take a rest. Not so much a rest, but we don't have to play quite at that same level. But you add in the goalkeeper situation, said mentioned Mane, I think, just Henderson on the bench for that game? think he was, wasn't he? didn't come on. And I think, funny enough, funny enough, Cater got substituted at half-time in that game. And I remember being there thinking, that's totally harsh because he was actually one of the players who did all right. I think Minamina replaced him at half-time. That's how... So there's another example of, oh, Liverpool losing 4-1. Let's just go for it even more. So that's why... So so it's kind of like... It's it's funny how these things come around. It's just, you know, six months down the line, we're still talking about the the same things. You know, Klopp isn't going to change the way that he does things. So I don't think we can just forget anybody who thinks he's going to do that. But, uh, yeah, the 7-2, well, it, well, it, that genuinely, you saw with Klopp's comments today, that hurt Liverpool. And he says, you know, you know, that shouldn't be happening. And it shouldn't be. What was it? Worst defeat in 57 years in the league, wasn't it? So, I mean, it wasn't, to be fair, it wasn't even the the, the first time in 12 months that Liverpool had lost by five goals to Aston Villa. But at least the, fir- the first time was with the, the kids were playing.
1: So you know, so has been going to be Liverpool in, yeah. in recent times has been a very, yeah. very odd fixture, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But you were talking then about the tactics, and I think one
2: thing that Aston Villa got right, and they also got it right against Liverpool last season in both games, which they both which they lost both the league games, is runners from midfield and Liverpool really struggled to to cope with that in that seven two. They had chances in the 2-1, but they were mainly upset pieces. But and in the, in the 2-0 game with Liverpool won at home, Aston Villa, I thought Aston Villa did quite well. Very in mind that they were, at that point, fighting against relegation. And they could have easily taken something from that game. Liverpool only scored the second later on. And even then, I think Grealish, who we know isn't going to be playing uh, on Saturday, he forced a good save from Allison. So I think Villa... They haven't got the key to unlock Liverpool, but they know ways to hurt them. And Liverpool will probably have to get the finger out or or get the the thinking caps on and go, well, anger, we don't want this to happen again. Because, you know, the the runners from midfield and Ollie Watkins just ran at them. So if you just, it was a game where, another game where Fabinho, I'm pretty sure he played, yeah, he did play, but he was... It was just weird. The whole game
1: was just like,
2: it's like it's, by the end. I was just laughing when the girls were going. It was just hilarious. It wasn't proper football, and it underlined everything that I kind of have said about this entire season. It's not real. It's just no, like it's, you saw that that Bayern. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, guy. That's that's that right. Bayern Munich. That Bayern Munich Paris Saint Germain game, which actually it was basketball, wasn't it? Just, just yeah. watch. It was one of these games where they just went. There's no one here. Who's <laughs> bothered? Let's just, just,
1: just play. Let's just play it's some game. and see what. I, let's just yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Let's just do it. And it was just ridiculous. There was no midfield. How many games this season have you seen where there's just no midfield again? No. Interesting. But the Aston Villa squad, Dave, looking at them and they kept themselves up and they've, they've built on it really well. They do seem to have a very balanced squad, albeit yeah, Jack Grealish isn't going to be fit. They've not been in great form without him as well. He's such a talismanic figure. But they do still have the likes of John McGinn in the midfield. They've got Ollie Watkins at the top end of the pitch who can cause a threat. And defensively, we know Liverpool struggles at Anfield to score, let alone win a game. Ezri Konza has been a real good player yeah. for them too.
0: Yeah, really, really like Aston Villa squad, to be honest. They've just, um, you know, more than the, the few you mentioned there. And I like the both the full-backs, Cash and Target, I think they're top players. just think all the way through that, teams, is just really good quality and, you know, fair play to them because, they've, you know, they've built on staying up, haven't they? And I think the manager made a few demands about what he wanted, having, having achieved that, and they've really given what he wanted. they you know, brought in some really top players and they're a really decent side. I think, you know, looking back to that 7-2, there were... I, at the time, it was said that, you know, that, oh, here we go, it's Liverpool cracking. And it, it seems like that narrative has almost been proved, doesn't it, because of what's happened since. But I, I think, as Doyley put it, quite a few weird things happened in that match, not just the deflections. But there was all, if you remember, the week after was just talk about Liverpool's high line and how disastrous that setup was. Now, that looks true in the aftermath of, say, the Real Madrid result. But obviously, you look at the two players that were playing centre half. in in the most recent game and it's no wonder that high line looks disastrous. I think if you'd have had Virgil van Dyke and Joe Gomez playing that high line for the remainder of the season, Liverpool wouldn't have any issues whatsoever. I think, you know, they went on that run then to be top of the league after that at Christmas. So, you know, the problem is, is that Aston Villa know how to exploit certain elements of Liverpool's system that have been weakened by the injuries they've got and I think that's what makes this game really difficult. If Aston Villa play in the same way that they did at Villa Park earlier this season, I think they'll Caused Liverpool similar issues because that high line's still going to be there. They're still going to be able to, you know, I feel like Matty Cash was dropping into a sort of a right-sided deep midfield area and pinging balls diagonals over the top. And was catching Liverpool every time in that seven-two. And I think there's a possibility that might happen again at Anfield. It's it's going to be a difficult one for for Phillips and Quebec, and and I think another key one, really for for Jurgen Klopp needs to get his midfield selection spot on again, doesn't he? I think he, he needs to pick a midfield that's going to be you know, whatever midfielder he picks, I think has to be the same one that goes into the Real Madrid game, just to get some rhythm in there and get that ability to sort of try and get pressure on the ball, even though that you know the opposition are moving players around about where they play those balls off the, over the top from. I think that's that's going to be a key part of the game for Liverpool is, is stopping that supply line over in behind the back four.
1: Yeah, you know, we've seen so many times as well during this run of poor form at Anfield. Doyle decided to come to Anfield, sit deep, and then look to exploit gaps and get Liverpool on the counter. But that more trying to play into the hands of Liverpool, struggling to break them down. But you feel Villa will probably want to employ similar tactics as David was alluding to there to try and get that defence certainly with Phillips and Kabak as high up the pitch as possible with Watkins with the pace that he has.
2: Yeah, it's going to be really boring. It's going to be a really boring game, as it always is. at Anfield these days, absolute tedious and personified. Um, Make sure you no. check out Ian Doyle's work across the <laughs> live blog. <Lord. laughs> having said say that, but say that, but what's that? Nine plus five is fourteen. There's been nineteen goals in the last three games between Liverpool and Villa. So, you know, oh, this is actually the game where all the goals come in. Um, Still
0: not that long ago as well.
2: Yeah, oh, that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. So most of go. these,
1: are, all, all of these, are happening at Villa Park, but. Um, it was a 5-0, what, 2009? Can we go back that far to...
2: But yeah, I think some of our listeners and viewers will be, have been alive in 2009, no, and will no. be able to remember, <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't that long ago, i said <laughs> I still have <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh.
2: I, I, a minute. How old were you in 19, in 2009? Uh, what was I, 16, 15?
1: Lynch, you were 40 what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, Thirty-three. There you go. Uh, was I? No, it wasn't. Hang on. Is it? Yeah, I was. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Anyway, what was the question? <laughs> I, was just, I, I was saying Villa are going to try and get Liverpool to come on I, to them and go in I behind. think I think for Villa, it's an interesting one because if they win their
2: games in hand, they can actually go one point behind fourth place, and they're still very much in this. I think that's right. I think they're very much yeah. in the running for a, certainly European place, and this is a big game for them. I don't think they. I don't think Villa can afford to do what some of the other teams have done and just sit back and play for a draw because that's of no use to them whatsoever. They've got a certain amount of freedom because they've spent the last the last season was fighting against relegation. The season before was fighting to get back up. So there's, they've got a, they'll, they'll they'll be allowed a certain amount of freedom, and I think that will hopefully benefit Liverpool because they won't just sit back and defend like just about every other team's done at Anfield over the past 39 years.
1: Yeah, it has, it has felt that long, definitely. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's move on to our team selection. Then, Lynch, you were saying before, big midfield questions for Jurgen Klopp. So let's get into it. Uh, Alistair in goal, but he's shaved off the moustache, hasn't he, guys? Yeah, drop him. What, yeah, what yeah, a, a nice dreamboat!
2: What a dreamboat! He's the only person who can have a beard, a moustache, and then be clean shaven and looks so that good. With the exception of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> Doily, what's 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 the back four going to be? Uh, oh,
2: right, I, I keep on saying Simicast every single week, don't I? Yeah, you do. Yeah, and yeah, I, and do and I do. Playing. I do feel as though he has to play at some points. But and I'm, I'm, this is the one where I'm not. I'm going to say he's not going to play. I think the back four just got to be the back four. Simple as that.
1: I was going to say maybe Robertson. I think he maybe got off a bit lightly with his performance on Tuesday. Maybe this is the game to drop him for Lynchy. What about you? Are you going to go with the the usual tried and trusted? Now played all yeah, the five I, games together.
0: I, I would quite like to see Simacast come in for a game just because I think you know it would, it would be nice to see him. And and I, and I think Robertson's form he was poor, wasn't he, on Tuesday? And and just to give him a rest, going into that Real Madrid rematch, I think would be would be quite good. But I just don't expect it to be honest. I think he's going to go with the. The same back four and he wants to get rhythm into that back four or, you know, considering he played about 50-odd games on the bounce, I think he's going to stick with it, yeah.
1: Yeah, Ben Davis and Simicash just on the touchline doing keep ball with each other. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, there's a question. The Somebody was
1: asking me this. Is there any chance
2: that Fabinho could go back to centre-back ahead of the Real Madrid game?
1: Because What, well, to, he to then play there
2: against there. Real Madrid, yeah. Does anybody think there's anything in there? Because, I mean, my answer was no. but I don't think do so, think?
1: because in the Real Madrid game, Liverpool need to get goals. I think mm. he might help sturdy things up defensively, but actually one of his real underrated qualities is those, those balls forward from deep, isn't it? And I think yeah. Liverpool are going to need him actually as much of an attacking Arsenal on the pitch as they can. And I think he's better in that position, therefore, in, in midfield.
0: Pushy. You, you, you would then have to put Cater in midfield, wouldn't you? If you put Fabinho in defence, and I don't think Jurgen Klopp wants to do that there's, anymore. There's, there's no. loads of midfielders that could play. Curtis the concern, Jones. Curtis, Curtis it's Jones. A big, it's a big ask of him, though, isn't it?
1: I think he's. I think he's proven this season that he deserves a go. I think. Yeah. Well, no, he, if that, anyone's, anyone's
2: going to love it, if anyone's going to love it, it'll be him, won't it? Yeah. Anyway, man for the big mid- occasion. The midfield for, for, for Villa.
1: Hmm. Well, this can you go to
2: Curtis, couldn't it? Yeah. Can you go to go to go to Lynchy first because Yeah, Lynchy,
1: you go I, first, mate. I think
0: I think because he'll be worried about the way that the midfield played on Tuesday, and I think he'll think there's enough gap between the games. I think he might go with the same against Villa as he goes against Real Madrid, and I think that could be then Fabinho, Tiago, and Wijnaldum, and then obviously if he if he can then make some changes early on and, and get Curtis Jones on or get James Milner on just to just to make sure those players are fresh. But I think he, having mixed it up, what he had as a unit there, I think he'll want to get it settled and, and, and sorted before the Real Madrid game if he can, because he's he's not going to go with the same three, is he? So, yeah, I, th- I think it might it might sort of pick itself and that, that'd be his strongest midfield on paper, which would be Thiago, Wijnaldum and Fabinho.
1: I know we're a, a sort of full decade without a goal in Anfield, but I reckon Milner comes into the midfield, maybe. Maybe for Wijnaldum.
2: Well, I, I've my team is going to be four two three one because I think they're going to go four two three one against Real Madrid, but I'm not with these players. The two I'm going to pick against Villa are Fabinho and Milner. Milner on the left side, Fabinho on the right, and then the one that joins up with the front three, probably Curtis Jones.
1: Yeah, I reckon that can play in a 4-3-3 anyway, can't it? Because Milner did get fooled quite a lot against Arsenal. Now, Arsenal were pretty much on their <laughs> goal line the whole game. He <laughs> <laughs> did have that shot in the first half. But anyway, yeah, Doily, come back to you then for the forward three. Who's your, 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 your two and one in the 4-2-3-1? Uh,
2: well, I think, well, it's it's yes, what you mean. The, the, the wide players will be Jota and Salah. And up
0: front will be Firmino.
1: Mane dropped. Lynch, are you going along with that?
0: I, I think he might keep Mane in for this one and drop him for the Real Madrid game. Um, so, yeah, so maybe Salah, Mane, Firmino and then and then he makes the big the big call against Real Madrid and, and Jota starts on the left-hand side, maybe. Do
1: you think, I think the thing with the four players he's got at the top end of the pitch with Jota, I think they have they started once together against Manchester City and Jota came off after an hour or did they start the No, I think they started against, against Sheffield United. United, yeah. yeah. And went 1 0 behind against, in that game, though, didn't they? Well, against Sheffield United,
2: I'm pretty sure they changed it at half time. Uh, and, or oh, certainly did badly you know, in the second half. And against City, City worked out after 25 minutes. So I was going to
1: say the, the point I was going to make on it, though, is do you, do, you, do you think it's been far more effective having the four of them on the pitch when any one of them, normally Jota, has come onto the pitch and they've then gone to a four as opposed to the four of them all starting, yeah. if you know what I mean?
0: yeah I'd agree with that. I think it's a better option when you change to it mid game rather than than starting out with it. I think uh, yeah, because I think that those cagey moments early in the game and the fact that you know teams will do everything they can to restrict space in the early moments, you know particularly across the first half to have the four of them just getting in each other's way with the little space that's there already is it, it becomes a bit of a problem. I think when you introduce it late in the game. Spaces are opening up. Players are getting tired, and it, there's just a little bit more chaos going on. I think it really suits them to, to do that, which is you know maybe what would keep him from going with all four in the in, in the sort of the second leg against Real Madrid. He would maybe think that it's best to to go with whatever he thinks his first choice three is, and then and then change it from there.
1: Yeah, right. What about match results then? Liverpool six defeats in a row. Something about the number seven with Aston Villa this season. It's not going to be a seventh defeat in a row, is it, Doyle? Well, technically speaking, they have, they've they've won the last home game against. Yeah, like, yeah, they're in yeah, great
2: form at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're in a the, great. Yeah, brilliant at home. Yeah, <laughs> Anfield push arena yes, Anfield. Yeah. Um, I think that as I will be there and I cannot cope with another unbelievably boring game. Um, I will go with three two for Liverpool.
1: By the way, on the push pass arena, we've got what Anfield South being Wembley, Anfield West maybe being Millennium Stadium. Is that Anfield East out in Budapest?
2: <laughs> Anfield East in Europe,
1: yeah, I go. Yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah. Happy days, Lynchy. What about the <laughs> match result for you? Um, yeah,
0: no, I, f- I fancy Liverpool to bounce back. I think they were they were very good against Arsenal. It's quite easy to forget that you know Real Madrid are just quite good, aren't they? And Aston Villa are not not as good as Real Madrid, so surely Liverpool can can win this one and sort of get themselves right in that top four race. So I'm going to go two now.
1: Yeah, hopefully that is the case. Hopefully we've lifted spirits as well on this edition of the Blood Red podcast. As Liverpool look to go to uh, end that, Open play goal drought at Anfield. You can make sure you keep across everything that Doily is up to at Anfield on match day in the <laughs> every, Liverpool Echo. Not everything. Not everything. <laughs> not, not everything no. <laughs> I thought everything went in the live blog. Uh, well, that will be the, the live blog, of course, across on the Liverpool Echo website. We'll be here with the debrief on the Blood Red channel after the game, as well as Jurgen Klopp's post-match reaction. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time and your company. It's all for now.